0: Welcome to Part of the Family from South Charleston First Church of the Nazarene in South Charleston, West Virginia. I'm Paul Neal, one of the staff pastors here at SC First. In today's episode, we'll share the message from the morning service on October 23rd, then Mindy Neal, Pastor Cassie Crowder, and I will discuss the message. This past Sunday, Pastor Chris Riggs opened the Word of God for us with a message titled, No More Room. If you've already listened to the message, you can skip forward about 40 minutes for discussion. And now, let's listen to what Pastor Chris shared with us.
1: Um, uh, this is a, how many of you heard this, a story started like this? I bought a boat. I bought a boat. Of course, you know, the phrase that goes along with that is the, what, the two best times in a boat owner's life or the day he buys a boat and the day he sells it. Yeah. You know, the other one, my neighbor said was, Hey, you've now bought a hole in the ground that you're gonna throw money into. Um, so about two months ago, uh, we'd been talking about it. I've always wanted a boat, but we were like, ah, you know, I don't know if I want to have a boat right now, and Brady started wanting to fish, and Brady's enjoying fishing, and Molly, too. Molly would upset me if I am like, she enjoys fishing, too, but Brady and I had started fishing together, and uh, we've been fishing off the bank, and as you, if you fish at all, you know, bank fishing's fun, but I mean, would rather be out there on a boat. You see everybody else out there, and we're like, I'm going to buy a boat eventually, and I thought, well, you know, we can probably do it now, and, and then Brady will get to enjoy it for these years, and we'll get to enjoy the boat, and we're like, oh, well, we're going to go ahead and do it. So. I found, a fan, I found a man in Michigan that had a boat. He had just had a heart attack two weeks earlier, and he couldn't use his boat anymore. And it was a really good deal. I mean, I got a good deal on this boat. And um, he was a nice guy, and, we, um, and so his only requirement was he'd sell it to me at price, but I had to send a picture of my family using it once we got the boat out on the, the, the river. So he was a really nice dude. And, um, and so we brought the boat down to my dad's house. It had a couple of minor repairs that needed to be done on the trailer. And then my dad drove it out and parked it in my, uh, in my driveway. And that was kind of towards the end of summer. You know, my goal all along had kind of been to get the boat. And I thought if I get it early enough, I can use it a little bit in the fall, and then we'll just really winterize it and really next year is when we'll get to use it. But we got it early enough in this in in the, towards the end of the summer, I thought, wow, we'll really get to use this boat. But then school started. And I don't know how you guys feel, but when it comes around to August or so when school starts, man, it just got busy. I mean church starts to get busy and things start happening and things get put on the calendar and man, it was, it was busy. And then my daughter is entering her senior year, and so there were senior year things going on, and she started playing volleyball. Well, she's played volleyball all the time, but you know, it's the final season of volleyball, and I don't know if you know about volleyball, but you play a lot, and there's a lot of practices, and Kanawha, uh, Kanawha County doesn't, or any of the counties don't allow you, your kid can drive themselves to a home game, but if there's ever an away game, you have to be drive. They can't drive themselves. You have to drive them there. Um, and I always thought that was kind of a weird, uh, a weird issue. Till we had some the other day where somebody got injured, and then they had driven themselves when they weren't supposed to. And um, and you don't have anybody there when they get injured. So it was it was a tough. So I understand that reason. But it so happened that this season almost all of Molly's games were away games, right? So I mean, it got busy there. And then let me say this is the only year this is ever going to happen in my life. But my son entered sixth grade. And my son decided he wanted to play football. Now, I have never had a two-sport family. This is the only season that I'll have a two-sport family at the same time. And let me say, for those those parents that went through my youth ministry that had multiple kids in sports, no, no, I feel for you. I understand it. I would never want to do it again. And it was horrible. I mean, every minute of every day had something scheduled, right? Right? And then can you understand sometimes like when you get that kind of schedule and then there's some things you just do to yourself, like decisions you make and you think to yourself, why did I do that? Why? Why did I make that decision? You know, the other decisions, Molly playing and football, that's I mean, that's my kids. I want to do right by them. You know, the church stuff is my job. I want to do that and uh, I enjoy that and I need to, you know, I, I do that. But then there's some decisions you make and you're like, why? So they came, somebody came to me early in the season and um, Jack Withrow uh, is connected with a group that does the production for WCHS Friday Night Rivals, uh, Channel 8 football games. And you know me, I'm a tech head, I love tech, and last year I'd run a couple of cameras for them for the production and I enjoyed it, it was fun, it was on a Friday night, it was at South Charleston so I got to see the game anyway. And so this year, they said, we want you to come out and do more. We want you to do not just be a cameraman. We want you to be, do some graphics work for us as far as running some of the pr- stuff in the production truck. I was like, oh, that'd be awesome. That was my decision, right? Every Friday night, okay? <laughs> and so I just found myself, and I don't know, maybe you found yourself this way, like packed, like squashed. Like, every moment of every day was allocated towards something. Like, the only thing I could give up was sleep or showering if I wanted to. You know what I mean? It was like there was no other time. I felt like I had no more room. I almost, I kind of thought of like when, you know, I almost felt like when, you know, I felt like the innkeeper when Jesus comes and they're like, no, there is no more room for you, you know. No, no, no. And it was just, it's so busy. And my boat sat in the driveway. Um, I hadn't even seen if it floated, to be honest with you. I mean, when I went to Michigan, I had seen it. I turned the engine on. It looked in good shape. I mean, it was a newer boat, so I was like, I figure it had to float. My dad thought it was nice. It hadn't entered the water yet. So I was like, I got to get this thing done because it's going to get cold enough that I've got to winterize it. I got to put it in the water. So, lo and behold, this Saturday, this past Saturday, I was preparing for the sermon, and I thought, this will be perfect. I'll get to talk about how busy I was, but the ending is going to be that we finally got the boat out on the water. Saturday, I had nothing going on. I was like, this is perfect. Molly was supposed to have practice in the morning, and she didn't, and I'm getting canceled. And we're like, this is it. We're going to do it. And so, my sister and my nephews had been to visit this past week, and for Molly's senior night, um, and... So they left in the morning to go back home, and I thought, this is it. So I went outside and pulled the cover off and started it, made sure everything was okay. Um, interesting part, we had a dead battery, so I had to make sure I got a new battery put in it. And I was like, ah, this is great. It's going to work out. We all get hooked up to the hitch. We all get in the car, and it was that moment. You ever have that moment where you think, this is it? This is why two months ago I bought this boat. The family is all together in the van. We're, it's wonderful. Like, this is going to be beautiful. I mean, it almost brings tears to my eyes. Um, so we start heading down Canal Turnpike. I was going to go to the gas station over here. And I'm coming down the road by Jefferson. And we hear this ka-chunk. And the next thing I know, the back windshield sh- sh- shoots everywhere. And the boat had literally come off the hitch, had run underneath my van. My trolling motor had gone through the back window of my car and had dented in my back door. Luckily for me, the safety chains worked, and so we drugged the trailer over to where those apartments are at. I had my kids get out, and we lifted the trailer up to get the wheel underneath it and got it hitched back, not knowing if there was something wrong with the hitch, if I'd made a mistake, and then we slowly made our way back to the house, and I parked the boat. I thought this story was going to end with me going, we ha- I got to use the boat. I made it a priority. We did it. I actually cleared some space. We got it out there. But can I say I have still yet to see my boat in the water. I don't know if it floats or not, but, uh, but now uh, even more so, It has become a hole in the ground that I have thrown money into. (laughs) And now it's my car uh, that I have thrown into that hole. But anyway, uh, (laughs) you say, Chris, what is the point of that story? So I've just been incredibly, incredibly busy. And I have felt it. And I don't know if you guys feel that way at times, but I have felt it. And our mantra in our home has been, just make it through October. Just make it through October, and Bridget and I both, we just get there, right? If we just get to the end of October, Brady stops playing football, Molly will kind of be done with volleyball, it'll back away. But for most of us, if we've been there, we know that it usually doesn't back away that much, right? It still gets busy, and you're saying to yourself, man, we're so busy. And it's been in this season uh, when Ken has switched from um, the names of God and the names of the Holy Spirit, the names of everything, um, that, uh, the names of the Trinity, that we have got done with that series, and we entered into a series on prayer. And I don't know about you, but we would do a podcast every week, uh, Paul, Neil, myself, and Greg, and then we have other people come in. And we started discussing this series, and it's been a good series, and it's on prayer. And it, whenever I hear about prayer, let's be honest, I feel convicted. Like, you should. I, prayer is important. And I'm like, this is important, and, and it's really convicted. And Greg, we've all said, it's like, we need to pray more. You know, when you feel that, like I need to really spend time with God. But but can I say this? Um, As much as I feel like I need to spend more time in prayer with God, if if I don't do it, if I don't proactively think about it, if I don't plan for it, then let's be honest, all that is is lip service. It's my heart saying, I'd like to. I really want to get the boat out but I still haven't. It's me saying, I really feel like prayer is important, but I have such a busy life, and there's no more room. I think about that, and as I started thinking about it, it's been convicting me all along. I want to pray more, but the question is, is how do I how do i get around to not just giving it lip service because we know we know what god thinks about that right we know what god thinks about saying in our minds oh this is what i want to do but not doing it with our hands and not making it happen with our actions right we know what happened when the pharisee says this is what it's right to be righteous but they didn't do it Right? they didn't do it it's not good enough that i just say wow prayer would be great to have in my life i'd love to do it more but it never happens so i thought we'd talk about that today and i didn't want to do the typical sermon thing where I have three points or like, I'm getting like six points or whatever. Yeah, but, um, but honestly, I was coming up with things. How do, we, how do we do that? How do we pray more? How do we allow for that? And honestly, I came up with three shuns and words end with shun. And I thought, <laughs> well, we're going to do it that way. Um, so let me say, I, the first thing I thought about was this, was the word prioritization. Making prayer and making time with God a priority now, we would all say that. If I say that to you right now, what are your priorities in life? You know, I, I'm thinking you'll say God. I mean, a lot of us say God. I mean, I'd say God. I mean, every redneck truck-owning person says God, family, and America, right? I mean, that's what they say, right? I mean, that's just, the, you know, my country, and, you know. I think a few good men, I can't remember the line, it's like, I told Chuck, it's like, God, and then, or it's maybe the Marine Corps, then God, I think, was the priorities in that movie. Um, but then I started reading a pew research that happened, a, re, uh, a research study that happened in 2021. They interviewed 19,000 adults in over 17 advanced economies. And they came up a listing with, based on this question, what makes life meaningful? Now you say, what's that got to do with priorities? Well, Let me be honest with you. Uh, our priorities are based on what we believe brings meaning to us, right? Or it just does. What we bring is meaningful is what we set our priorities based on. So let me read the list because it's, it's interesting. Family and children was number one. Occupation and career, material well-being, friends and community, physical and mental health, society and institutions, freedom and independence, hobbies and creation recreation, education my boat uh, recreation and learning or maybe nature and the outdoors uh, it would be next romantic partner serv- that's pretty low service and engagement, travel and new experiences and if you figured out we haven't got to where I'm wanting to get to yet it's coming it's coming. Retirement, and then 15th, spirituality, faith, and religion. It's like Wow. Wow. But but let's be assured, spirituality, faith, and religion is directly above pets, right? Now, I know some of you are going, that's not right. My pets are way above my faith, right? I mean, some of you are like, if, if I lost my dog, we'd be in trouble. Um, but it, I couldn't believe how low that was. I was not expecting it to be that low. I wasn't expecting... Spirituality and faith and religion to be that that distant. But then I started thinking about it. If you really looked at your last four weeks, all of the time that you spent, if you looked at your priorities, what you would consider priorities so the last four weeks, where would God rank? Where would your relationship with God rank? Now no, don't hear me out. I'm not saying the time you spend at church. I'm not sending the thing the time you spend serving the church. Okay, now that's good, and I think that does help with priorities. I'm talking about your relationship with God. Where would it rank in the priorities? Maybe it's not as distant as we think from being this kind of a study. But I think Scripture says something differently to us about what we need. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says this, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the man quoting the Old Testament. Um, and these, this was a commandment, right? And so if, when I look at these scriptures, I think to myself, for Jesus, this idea that God has to be the number one priority in our lives. That's it. He has to be. He demands it. He says, I want to be the priority. I want to be the lens through which you look at everything else in your life. I want to be that thing that sits on top, not down here lower, not the time that you have that's extra, not the time that you have that you don't have anything else to do and so you decide to break out the the Bible or you decide that's the time I can pray. I'm saying, I didn't say this in the first service, but I'm guilty of this. Let me be honest with you. I'm guilty of this even speaking to you about this. When When I was working with teens, one of the things I would tell the teens is I would encourage them to read scripture or to pray. And one of the things I suggested to them was, listen, all of you guys use the bathroom at some point in time of the day. When you're sitting there... You read your Bible, right? Like, you got, you got that some time. But I'm guilty of that. Because what that does is it says, take the time that is easy and available to you. Take the time where you're doing something else, but you can read the Bible, and make that the time you prioritize God. That's wrong. God says, in your priorities, I should be number one. I should be number one. You said, is, is he serious about that? Listen, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 37-39. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, I'm not sure how you interpret that. I'm not sure there's any other way to interpret that, but to understand it saying that Jesus is saying, I have to be above everything else. Above everything else. It doesn't mean that there aren't other things or that I don't have priorities. He says in that one verse, he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. Right? There is a life to be lived, but it's saying that God needs to be that thing that is first. He needs to be that priority in our lives. And that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Like, how can I expect, how can I expect for God to be that person who leads me places? God, how can I expect God to be in the driver's seat if I put things in front of him? If I choose to put things in front of him? Because those are the things that I control, right? I control those things. I'm putting in front of them. How can I possibly think that God is going to have any control over those things or any influence over those things if I'm choosing to put them first? So, guys, the first thing if we're really being serious about how prayer is going to affect our lives and our working, it's got to be in our priorities. God has to be number one. There is no other option. He has to be first. And he has to color everything that comes after that. The second one is allocation on the end of it, allocation. Um, you know, something that, that Kent and Hope's here, so she can answer this question for me. I didn't know in the first service, I forgot. Yeah, Hope's like, what are you, what are you doing me? Um, I think it was Ross, but I think Ken at one point in time, I think it was with Ross, he had had this jar of rocks. Does everybody remember that? Was it Ross or you? It was, for us. it was for both of you, but it started with Ross, right? Okay, so, well, because he loves Ross more. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> But he had started this thing with Ross where he had, a, and I think it was rocks or marbles, rocks, right? And so he had this thing of rocks where it represented the number of weeks he still had with his senior, this kid, right? And when, he, when I first saw that, I thought, man, that is incredible. I would love to do that. And I kind of have, you know, if you've gone past my office lately, you notice that I have, um, I have a, a huge mess in there. And it represents the number of weeks I have left with my kid. Um, so every week I clean up one thing and by the time we get to graduation my office should be clean no <laughs> i thought that'd be a wonderful thing to do because it was it, rem- it was a visual representation those rocks were of how much time you had left when we know this right like we know this we only have a certain amount of time we only have a certain number of hours we only have a certain number of rocks we can't create more rocks right we can't and when we use them they're over they're over and I started thinking to myself, how do we allocate our time? There's a lot of good things out there. right? There's a lot of good things. How do we use our rocks? Now, for me, uh, there's different frameworks you can do that in. For me, I'm, I heard an analogy the other day that I think really applies to me. It just is me. And my wife laughs at it. it, it was on, I think it was on a TikTok, to be honest with you. And uh, once again, probably not the way I should be allocating my time. But anyway, uh, it was on a TikTok. And the, the thing was, there's a gorge with a high wire across it. And on this side are chickens. I don't know why chickens, but there were chickens on the side. And there's a fire that's a forest. Fire. <laughs> this story sounds funny every time I saw it because I'm like, who thinks of this? There's chickens and there's a forest fire threatening the chickens. And it said, it said, you know. How do you, for, it was talking about the difference between men and women, and that women, a lot of times, they look at the the entire group of chickens, and they stress because of the fact they want to see all the chickens make it, right? Like, and the guys, a lot of times, compartmentalize, and they're just like, let's get one chicken and get it over, you know, one chicken. And there's chickens that are dying on the side, but they're like, get one chicken. But that's me, right? For me, though, it's whatever chicken is biting at my heels. Whatever chicken is right here nipping at my heels, go, go, chicken, go. I don't want you nipping at my heels anymore. You're right there, Right? And that's me in life, and that may be you in life. I only deal and allocate time with things that seem to be right in front of me, the things that are pressing to me, the things that somebody's coming to me and saying, this is needed right now, whether it's needed or not. That's how I seem to allocate time. Um, Morgan Young, I I owe Morgan a a bill of sale for something. And uh, it's been months now, and she's not gotten it, right? And so the other day we were talking about it, and she said, you know what I need to do? I just need to come and like stand at your office door, be right there, and just stand there until you give it to me. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably the way it needs to happen, right? And I think I was like, that's not... That's not. But then there's the other side, too. And maybe you can relate to this. The other side of allocating time are those people that plan their allocation of where things are going, right? They know exactly three weeks from now, on a Saturday at 2.15, where they're going to be at. Like, that's my wife. Like, she knows exactly where she's going to be at 2.15. She never schedules more time. She's not like me this week where I had an event and I literally double booked it with something else. Like there was no physical way I was going to be in two places at one time, right? And so I literally had to call Chris Pettit and say, hey, would you come do something for me? Because I literally can't be in two places at one time. Uh, she's the one. She has it all planned out. And every time I come in, I'll be like, hey, what are we doing this set? she goes, look at the calendar on the fridge. Okay, that's where it's at. There's these frameworks for how we allocate time. How are, and both of those, in both of those things, there could be positives and negatives, right? There's a the way we add, but we only get so much of that time to allocate. And sometimes there's a bunch of good things, right? There's a bunch of good things that we can choose from. They may not be bad things. And let me be honest with you, for most of us, we would never do that. We wouldn't allocate our time to bad things. For most of us, everything in front of us has some value. Has some, that's why it's so important to keep God as the number one priority. Because when we start allocating time, we, everything seems to have some value to us. We don't walk around allocating our time to things that we think are going to hurt us or hurt our family. It's all good in some way, right? We justify it. It's all good. But how do we choose to allocate? So there's a story about Jesus which I find fascinating. It's in Luke 5, 12 to 16. It says this. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But... Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Here's what I find fascinating about this story. The guy was healed of leprosy. Like, you understand, I, I don't. I think un, there's not much leprosy going around lately. But, um, but back then, if you had leprosy, we would now, we'd go, oh, you have leprosy. That's terrible. Like, we'd still want to be, like, comforting. Back then, if you had leprosy, you did something wrong. Like God, your parents did something wrong or you did something wrong. That's why God has cursed you with this. You have leprosy. You stayed outside the city. God healed this person and their life was changed forever. Can you think of anything better to allocate your time to than healing somebody of leprosy? Of changing their life forever? I can't. I can't think of anything better. Let's just be honest there's not been a time in the past 20 years that I've healed somebody of leprosy, okay? It just hasn't happened, right? I mean, I've ran a boat through the back of my car, but I have not healed a person of leprosy. I can't think of a better thing to do with my time than to heal somebody from leprosy. And it said, when the people heard about this, they came around Jesus, and they brought their diseases and their sicknesses to Jesus. And understand, in this scripture, all Jesus did, all he had to say was, be healed. That's all he had to do. But what does it say in Scripture? It says all these people came to be healed. It says, but, but Jesus often withdrew in loneliness and prayed. Wait a minute. How could there be something more important than changing somebody's life forever? How can there be more? Why would not you just heal all the people? They're there. Heal them all. You would change their lives. Instead, he went off and prayed. And I think to myself, he's not joking in Scripture when he says, I need to be your priority." right? He's not joking. Jesus literally withdraws when there's the opportunity to do all these healing. He withdraws and he prays. What he's saying is, there is good to be done, but there are things that are more important. It starts with prayer. It starts with us developing this relationship with God. That's where we start allocating our time based on our priorities of making him first There's a lot of good to be done. There's a lot of things we can spend our time on. We can spend these rocks on family and friends and things that we enjoy. But if we don't allocate the time we need to prayer, it is not going to work, this relationship with God. We have got to understand that Jesus himself, even though this awesome thing, he's healing people, he chose to go off and pray. Right? And that we need to start there. It's 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 interesting to me. That 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 concept that we need to do that. I, I told my teens when we used to, when I used to, have, I still would tell them now, um it's, that's a weird, this is always weird when I talk about this. When I used to because now I'm not doing teens anymore, but I used to say to them, you know, if you had a best friend and you wanted that best friend, you wouldn't be your best friend, but you never kind of spent time with them, if you never talked to them, if you never shared with them, if every once in a while you'd send a birthday card or they send you a birthday card. Uh, If every once in a while you'd see them, and you'd say hi. uh, If every once in a while you needed to borrow a truck to move something and they had a truck, you know, that kind of thing, you know. And they wouldn't be your best friend for long. Because all of us realize that relationships take time. They take effort. They take allocation of resources. That's just what they take. Why do we think it's any different with God? Why do we think it's any different with God? And yet sometimes God gets allocated the leftovers. God gets allocated when we can fit him in or an occasional rock where we say, wow, I haven't really done that in a long time. So we take it out and say, we'll we'll throw this rock over here. God says, I want to be, I want your, I want to be allocated resource. I want to have your time. I want to be the priority in your life. I want you not to be paying attention to the chicken nipping at your heels. Do You notice what it says? It says Jesus went away to loneliness and prayer, right? I'm guaranteeing you that loneliness and prayer is the chicken in the back of the flock. It's the one about to get burned in my life, right? It's because it's not... It's not begging for my attention. It's not demanding my time. It's not saying this has to be done by Tuesday. It's not the deadline or the kid who's crying. or It's not, it's not the thing that's nipping at my heels. It's the thing that I have to choose. I've got to choose to allocate time for prayer and relationship with God. Right? That's what we have to choose. And so I've got to. I have to be willing to allocate that to God. The third shun. Is anticipation. Anticipation. So let's say, let's say we do this. Let's say that right now you've been feeling conviction during this prayer season that you need to pray more. And today you're like, Chris, that's me. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And I so want to have this relationship with God that's active. I want to be like Gideon where Gideon like is doing stuff for God and he's hearing God and like, it's like incredible. God's using him with like six men and destroying a bunch of people. Well, not that you'd want to do that, but you'd want to follow God, right? Do great things for him. And, um, and let's say then you say, God, I'm going to make you a priority. I'm going to do it. And you don't, you don't just give him lip service. You choose to do that. And you do that by seeing how you're allocating your time. And you start allocating it uh, towards spending time with him. And you begin to develop this relationship. And here's where some of us end up, and it dies right here. Can I say this? We have to be understanding, we need to be anticipating what God is going to be doing in our lives. We've got to be anticipating what God is going to want to do in our lives. The story of Noah, I hadn't really read. I've read it several times. I know the story. You know the story. built an ark um, and the flood happened. But I, I wasn't really paying attention. I was reading through it because I was looking up something, and it brought up the story of Noah. You know what's interesting about the story of Noah? God, it says Noah was a righteous man, and it says God came to Noah. And suddenly there's this long paragraph, and I'm not going to say it. Uh, there, suddenly there's this long paragraph. And uh, in this paragraph it says, um, uh, it talks about, here's what I want you to go do. I want you to go build an ark. I want you to go, you know, do all this stuff. And then the verse after that paragraph, there's no dialogue. There's no Moses going, what, how long? And he says, Well, this is how long. At the end of that paragraph, when he's all done, he this is the this is the first, Genesis 5.22. It says, Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. And I'm thinking to myself, that can't be the story. Like literally, seriously? I mean, here's Noah being a righteous man, living a life. He's got plans to you know, his business, whatever he does for living, he's got plans on, you know, going on, I don't know if they went on vacation, but, you know, going across the desert to vacation to another desert. And, um, you know, he had these plans. Maybe he thought he was going to buy a few more camels. Um, whatever. I mean, he had these plans, right? Like this is his life. It is, I guarantee you his life was just as crowded as our life is, right? We don't have to work the land. I mean, literally his life was probably just as busy as ours was. And God says to him, stop, build an ark. And it says in the scripture that Noah did everything God commanded him. And I'm like, wow, was he ready to drop everything? My mom and dad—it's a—it's a funny story. My mom, she always tells a story about how um, when she was in college, she just had, she really, um, she's always had a great relationship with God, and um, she just prayed to God, God, I want to be used by you, but I'm just asking that I'll do anything, but I really do not want to be a pastor's wife. And she met my dad, and my dad was a chemistry major. And she's like, this is perfect. He's a chemistry major. Then my dad got called into ministry, right? <laughs> and my mom was like, she, and she's not, my mom doesn't joke a lot. Like, she's a funny person. She doesn't joke a lot about things. Like, she was being serious when she's like, I had a moment where I really had to say, I don't think I want to get married to your dad because I do not want to be in the ministry. And, um, and so she finally let God work in her life, and she accepted that call with my dad into the ministry. And she said, she always thought, well, it's, it's not that bad. It's, I'm, at least I'm not a missionary. And um, <laughs> so four years after that, my dad got, and her got called to go to Africa. Um, and and uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, she goes, I never thought, she goes, that was the last thing I hadn't thought. But, you know, um, I said it in the first service. One of the things that, when we were here this week, and we had Doc Wickline's funeral, and um, David Troffer spoke at it. And, you know, at the end of my life, when I come to the time of my allocated time, um, David Troffer said this about Doc Wickline. He said that he was a man of God. He was a man of God. You know, I've been in some funeral services where that doesn't get said. I've had funeral services where they were a great family person, loved their kids, loved their wife, dedicated father, dedicated worker. Built a career. When I get to the end of my life, I want them to say, That was a man of God. And you know what? My parents, um, see if I get through this. um, They were great parents. They did all the good things like that. But when it comes to their end of their life, my mom, my dad, they always said yes to God. And I was talking to my dad the other day, and we were sharing, and he said, Chris, you know, when we were missionaries, it didn't pay much. He said, it barely, hardly anything at all. He said, but we followed God, because that's what he wanted us to do. He just asked, and we did it. And he said, and we never really gave thought to retirement. We never really gave thought to what the future's going to hold. He said, I'll be honest with you, we gave thought of what it's going to do to our family, but we thought God will take care of it. And it wasn't easy. My life was not, it was hard on us as a family. Um, and when we got back, my dad said the other day, he said, Chris, you know, we were sitting there looking at our retirement. We thought, man, I'd have to work forever. He said, but you know what? For the first time, we realized that we have assets. <laughs> he, said, he said, we actually have assets. He said, you know, honestly, all that time in the mission field, we just didn't even worry about it. He said, but i come to the end of my life, and Chris, we need to talk to you about what we're going to do with our assets. He said, God has blessed us. And when they pass away, the best thing I can say about them is that they made God a priority. And it showed by how they allocated their time. And they did whatever, and they anticipated. When God said to them, this is what I want you to do, it wasn't in their plans. It wasn't in my mom's plans. But they said yes. And when they die, I'll be able to look at them and say, that was a man and woman of God. I love them, and they're my parents, but that's what I want to be able to say about them. And so can I encourage you, can I encourage you in this is that we can ask God. We can improve our prayer life. We can be in communication with God. But can I tell you that if you're not anticipating for Him to do incredible things in your life, you're going to miss out. If you are so squeezed in that you have no room, no availability, if your priorities aren't right, and it's packed with so many other things, and you have no space for God to move in, nothing will get done. You can be praying to God all you want. You can spend the hour in prayer. But if you're not anticipating him doing something incredible, you're going to miss out. Because I can't know a story in the Bible where somebody says, I am available, God. And God doesn't do something with that. Right? So it's not just about us saying, God, I'm going to make you a priority. And God, I'm going to pray more to build this relationship. Because what's going to happen is you're going to do that. And then God's going to call you to something big. And you're going to say, oh, I don't know, I've got so much. You don't understand, it's my daughter's senior night, and it's, I've got family, and I've got this boat I'm trying to get through the back window. I mean, I've got all of this stuff. I've got all this stuff, God. And God's going to say, well, you're just going to miss out. Because it says in Scripture, he'll make the rocks cry out. He'll use somebody. And you're going to have spent this time of prioritizing in prayer, but if you're not anticipating what God is going to do in your life, if you don't allow him room, if you don't create room for him to work, you're going to miss out on the plans he has for you. Because we do know scripture says that, right? He has plans for you. Big plans for you. So I hope this series on prayer convicts you. I hope you feel like you need to pray more. I hope you feel that your relationship with God deserves more attention. I do. I pray that for you. And I pray that you don't make it lip service. I pray that you choose to make God a priority, the number one. And that just doesn't happen in here, but it happens here with the action and the way you allocate your time. right? All the stuff is good. I love family, and I love friends, and I love the stuff I do. I even love my boat. But the reality is, is, first is God, and he deserves the best of my time. He doesn't, deserve to, he doesn't deserve to be the chicken in the back. I need to make sure I grab him and I put him up front and say, God, I want you right there. I want you to be telling me what to do next. Inform my actions. Help me to anticipate your moving. Help me to get behind where you're at and what you're doing. And when you have plans for me, help me to always answer to be yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Kyle's going to come up here a second. And I don't know if the band, I, I, I asked for him to play a song. But let me say this this first this first step is always a first step. You say, well, Chris, I don't know. I want to do that, but where do I... I mean, <laughs> you got to make time somewhere, right? And here we have a couple minutes. What if you took a step and said, God, right now, man, I know this has... To... Life is crushing me, and I know I need to make time. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to matter is my relationship with you. Lord, help me to be in contact with you more. Help me to pray more. Help me to anticipate by looking and saying, God, whatever you'd have me do, I will make time. I will, I will prioritize you. I will do whatever you ask. May it be said of you at the end of the day that you were a man or woman of God, and he was the priority, and prayer was a priority in your life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blessing you have given us of a relationship with you. And we take that for granted sometimes because everything else around us is so busy and so, takes so much importance. It just seems like it has to be done. There's things in our lives that have to take precedence. If, if work doesn't happen, if, if family, if this just doesn't happen at this time, it's just, I, and it presses in on us. But help us to realize that you are first. We can work our entire lives. And when we get to the end of it, it's just going to be you. All of the other stuff is going to be added unto but it's going to be you first, God. I just pray you would help us to do that in our lives. That through this busyness that we hear your calling on us, calling on us to make room for you, calling on us to be closer to you, and help us, God, help us not to make it lip service, help us not to walk away from here just saying, I'll find time somewhere, but really help us to start doing it, to start putting our faith into action, and putting you first through both our priorities, and how we spend our time. Because we know that when we do that, God, our relationship with you will be great and you will supply everything that we need. You will supply us with all of the opportunities we need and all the plans that we need and all the resources we need to be able to do what you want us to do on this earth. And we will get to the end of our life and we will look back and just like my parents, it you have blessed us. But we will be able to say, it was all because you were first in my life, God. Help us not to forget that. Help us to make room.
0: Welcome back to the studio. I'm here with Mindy Neal. Hello. Who also happens to be my wife. And Pastor Cassie Crowder. Hello. And um, we, uh, we're, we're going to talk about this message. So Pastor Chris always has unique ways of starting. He talked about his boat. Um, and obviously threw in the quote that, He said he's heard many, many times, and I have to confess I'm one of those people who said it to him. The two best days in a boat owner's life: the day he buys his boat, and the day he sells his boat. Um, I don't think Chris is to that point yet, but he certainly, certainly had an interesting experience this (laughs) this past weekend with his boat. Um, I've had mishaps towing things before, though. So, towing is towing is not a uh, not an easy thing. Not for the light of heart. No, no, no. You have to, and I'm sure he knows what he's doing. We obviously still don't know exactly what caused it to come loose i uh i once pulled away from an airport pulling a trailer i just dropped off a missions team of people and the last person who got it out had not latched the trailer closed and so i was driving down the road and all of a sudden somebody flagged me to pull me over because the back of the the trailer had come open and a spare tire had bounced out and hit his smashed his uh his his headlight, oh, so yes, yeah, so towing. I, I, I sympathize with with Chris's uh, with Chris's experience.
2: Yeah. His daughter in Sunday school was starting to tell me this story, and it's just one of those stories that makes your stomach hurt. <laughs>
0: it yeah. does
2: because it's just unfortunate. Yeah, it's
3: just yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, I've never so. bought a boat, but I've I've wasted money on things that I thought I would enjoy, and then find time to do. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So well, yeah. that's the key. That, sure. they were starting mm-hmm. that you know the the busyness and um you know I've got a. a an old piece of furniture sitting in my mother-in-law's garage right now that's a project that I intended to have already worked on by this point. Um, and you didn't,
3: I didn't predict that you wouldn't work on it. <laughs> right. That didn't happen. I didn't I say. said it, it
0: could be winter before I worked on it. I didn't. Okay. It isn't I winter yet. Winter solstice
2: is in December, so um, November's the month.
0: But we all do just get busy, and so it really did fit right in with this prayer series because that is something that, that Greg and, and Pastor Chris and I have talked about in weeks prior on the podcast is that we don't take enough time to do that, to make it a real priority which ties in with, uh, with Pastor Chris's first point there. What jumped out at you um, from from these points that he had, the, the three points?
2: Pastor Kyle sang a song during worship called Available. Um, and man, when we were singing that song, it hit me. Because um, it's just something that, you know, Pastor Chris talked about as well, that we have to choose to spend the time with God. Right. Um, that it is a choice. You know, we constantly have things buying for our time. Um, and with that knowledge, I mean, we really do have to make it a priority or it's just not going to happen. Right. And um, I often think about, you know, our relationship with God is like, not, not to compare our regular any other relationships to God's relationship, but to a degree, you know, our earthly relationships would not exist if we didn't communicate. Right. And so, you know, when we are not making time for prayer, we have to assume then that our relationship with God is going to struggle just mm-hmm. like our earthly relationship was sure I thought uh, from his point that he made
3: that um, it was interesting he talked about how important Jesus's role was here on earth you know he, he referred to people being healed and Jesus taking time to be with them and um, he he points out even Jesus though you know being the Son of God right. being it, you know, part of that triune God would take time and, and separate himself out to go talk to the Father God yeah. yeah and and that's such a good example to us that you know even though things can seem really important like healing people or letting people know how to actually live life as a good Christian you know he still he, he did that by demonstrating that he needed to talk to Father God right
0: and I think often you know, both with the prioritization and the allocation points that he made so often we the things we're busy with are good things um they're just not the most important things. Sure. They're not the best things, and so it it can become tricky. Um, yeah, I thought it was also interesting. You know, the study he quoted about that what brings people meaning in their life. Um, it, I think that's also almost a chicken and egg thing. You know, why is why is spirituality and and religion and relationships with God? Why is that so low on the list? Well, it's because we don't prioritize it. You know, so many people. Um, I think we're all guilty of that. But uh, as we look at uh, the world outside of the church in particular, um, they haven't experienced what that's going to be like. And um, so they, they haven't made a priority or, or 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 put it high on their list. So it falls lower and lower. You know, you make time for what's important to you. Sure. Um, yeah,
2: Pastor Chris mentioned how he is a what's available to me right now at this moment kind of guy. Right,
0: the chicken pecking at his ankles. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that analogy that, image, that he yeah. gave.
2: Um, and, you know, I think I think we're all different in how – prayer affects us and how we pray. Um, But it certainly is something that we have to make time for because it isn't always easy because it isn't right in front of us. Right. You know what I mean? Like all these other tasks that we have to do in our daily life appear to us right in front of us. And so we have to actively engage in a conversation with a loving father compared to, you know, both of us are married. We, We know that in a relationship we see our spouse and we see that, person right in front of us. So we actively engage in that conversation. Whereas, um, with a relationship with Jesus, we have to, we have to choose that. And I think there's a real importance of that. And I think that was one of, you know, I can't speak for God, but we can see all throughout scripture that he wanted the relationship and to have a relationship, there has to be that choice. And yet again, that comes down to, I have Evan quotes right here. I have to choose to spend time with God. It is a choice. And so we have to, in that prioritization aspect of life, we have to decide, is that A choice that we're prioritizing. Right. Well, I always
3: love whenever a pastor preaches about Mary and Martha because yeah. it really it really helps me release my guilt <laughs> that I don't have a clean house. I mean, that's really I'm sure. like, okay, you know, what's am my priority at the feet here? Of Jesus. That's right, that's right, <laughs> that's right. That's why this there's dust priority. on
2: my on my counters. Yeah. That's right. We are living in this house. <laughs> this is a house lived in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I uh, I really appreciate. I always also always like when when a preacher brings in you know his personal experience or mm. family experience. to so just talk about his parents, um, you know his mother's prayer. You just don't let me. Just don't let me marry a preacher, Lord. Right. And then, of course, he, she fell in love with somebody who was called. And so that became a call for her, too. And then, well, at least he's not a missionary. And then they ended up on the mission field. Um,
3: but that was his anticipation point. Like, did she really anticipate God was going to kind of pull a fast one there? That may be. Yeah. And yeah, the anticipation, you know, for Noah was, you know, trusting that even though this is a crazy idea to build an ark. Right. Well, I anticipate that God has a pr- good purpose for it, so sure. I'm just going to roll with it. So, and
0: There's a real peace in living that way, too, that, you know, the, the thing I've talked about before is a quote that I learned when I was in college. Trust in God, then do the next right thing. Mm-hmm. And that trust that if we are actively seeking him, even if we don't have this clarity, even if it feels weird to us sometimes, that if we go forward in that that God is either going to redirect us or He's going to meet us there, yeah.
1: um,
0: and so that is that that anticipation that He was talking about for sure. Um, yeah, I and one of the things—what's the old saying? Um, if you want to make God laugh, tell Him your plans. You know that would certainly be true <laughs> right. for That's for good. Chris's mother. Um,
2: yeah, I loved um, that he quoted, but they said yes. You yeah. know, that mm-hmm. was um, at my first. District license meeting in Somersville. Um, on my path to ordination, I have it written in my Bible um, about him saying he had the the person who was speaking that night talked about it said, but because you say so, I will. Yeah. And I love that line because mm-hmm. my plans are not sufficient, <laughs> and right. my plans I will cause me anxiety and will cause me fear and will cause me doubt. But His plans are sufficient. Yeah. And I actually read a, a a book one time about the women of the Bible that talked mm-hmm. about how Noah's wife was never given a name. Mm-hmm. We don't know who Noah's wife was, but you talk about a woman of faith. Her husband who said yes, she went right along with him, right. even in the doubts, even in the chaos, even all the people saying Noah's crazy. She said, "This is my husband." And I'll stick with him, and yeah. I'll go with him. And so he said yes, but she did too. And so I, I think, think her
0: name was Tammy Wynette, and uh, <laughs> she's she's the one that wrote <laughs> Stand, "Stand by Your by Man." By oh, there man. it is. Um, yeah. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Noah and Tammy Wynette. Yeah, but it. no, that's an excellent point. <laughs> um, any any last thoughts? Uh, <laughs> anything you didn't you didn't get to express?
2: I will say this about a TikTok that I saw this morning. It really made me consider how I'm prioritizing my time as I'm watching TikTok. tock. Um, but it was a guy who said, if the only time you feed yourself is on a Sunday, you will starve. Ooh, that's good. Um, and then that said, this, we're not talking about food here. Right. You know? And right. so that's so important that yet again, especially with prayer, meditation, worship, any of these things that draw us closer to the father, if we, and pastor Chris's sermon was called no more room. Mm-hmm. We have to make room. You know, that's something that we have to, To choose, and so um, Sunday shouldn't be the only time we're getting spiritually fed. That's a choice, though. You know, we we preach to ourselves first, and so what are we preaching to ourselves? That's a good reminder of this was a good sermon to remind me of that. That Mm -hmm. um, shouldn't just be Sundays and Wednesdays that I'm getting fed. Uh, I need to be feeding myself those other days. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, well, that'll wrap up our conversation. We want to thank you guys for listening in. Um, we'd love for you to join us any Sunday morning if you're not already. We have services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We have Celebrate Recovery at 6 p.m. Uh, we have wonderful kids ministries. They're gearing up already for their Christmas program. We have fantastic youth ministries. Pastor Cassie is our youth pastor. She's actually about to run out the door to, to get ready her, her last-minute preparation for a youth group. She's um, so, day. again, come see us any Sunday and get involved because we want you to be part of the family.